It's go time. Welcome everyone to Quick Kicks here on Third Down Gamble. Don Charbon with a very special guest from the Turf District, Andrew Hoskins. Andrew, you have just experienced a CFL Combine. Talk to me about it. What? Let's start with who did you meet there? Well, it uh, it was amazing. It was my first CFL Combine. I have not had a chance to. I've only ever had the chance to kind of watch it, and I'm sure we're going to talk about whether we could watch it or not as this carries on, but. Yeah, it was it was a great experience. Um, I got to meet a lot of the media across uh, the country that that covers the CFL. Um, you know, hanging out with some of our friends from Three Down and in John Hodge, and getting to meet JC Abbott and chatting with Justin Dunk. But I did get to meet Dwayne Ford and had a really really good conversation with him. I also got to meet uh, Sarah uh, Said from um, I can't remember Barstool. No, I can't remember which one which website she's but she's super CFL focused and and a Toronto fan. And that was really, really great. And then I did get to talk to a number of the different coaches and GMs. Um, On the Thursday, I was lucky enough to sit down with Jim Barker and hear some stories from him. And then Pinball Clemens joined us. The whole experience was really great, very open. Um, You know, you see Kahari in the hallway and say, hi, coach. And he's like, hey, how's it going? (laughs) It was kind of surreal really, really great chance to kind of see what they're looking at and uh, and to meet some of the, the great athletes that were out on the field. How did this all come together for you? Well, I, when I knew that they announced it was going to be here, uh, I was able to take those days off and then I reached out to the CFL just that uh, we've had some contact before through the podcast. So they were able to help us out with some accreditation so that we could be in and, and watching. It worked out really well that way. That's awesome. And then once there, obviously you you're probably in a designated area in terms of media or are they pretty free flowing with that? No, there's definitely specific areas for the teams and then a specific area for media. And so uh, the first day uh, when I got there, we were down in the gymnasium because they were doing the vertical jump and the bench press. Uh, we were sitting as media off to the side. Um, honestly, this was my first combine, so I was very lucky to be sitting beside John Hodge to be able to say, uh, okay, remind me, like, what's good? <laughs> if they do, like, how high do they have to jump before we think we all go, ooh, like, how does that work? But y- you you learn really quickly because you, you watch these guys uh, launch themselves into the air and, and people very quickly are like, ooh, that was a good one. Uh, and you kind of chat about it. So, and he had given me a couple of names that he knew would be people to watch. And then there was a couple that we kind of, that kind of came out of nowhere that were like, wow, that guy really, really went high. So yeah. So we spent most of that morning and afternoon in the gymnasium, just watching that all take place. And then the Thursday or sorry, the Friday was in the field house. And in the morning we were off into the one back corner and then the uh the next day we were in an opposite corner but you could see out over the field and when they were doing a lot of the one-on-ones uh we got invited to be more on the field so you could see because of course all of the coaches and gms kind of circle 
the players and it's really hard to see that one-on-one battle <laughs> and so we were all standing on the bleachers trying to see in and then they said oh no just come just, just come over here just don't you know get in the way of any of the coaches which we did so then you're seeing these guys you know bang right in front of you and uh it's it was pretty incredible i i know you're saying it's incredible but when you're looking at these athletes and performing in front of these coaches were you thinking my goodness what are they going through to have to do this were you what was going through your mind at the time yeah absolutely i i got to talk with five of the different guys that had that were there for tryouts you you, like they're excited to be there but they're stressed <laughs> and, and you feel it some, especially in the one-on-one battles between D line and O line. Uh, and there was some really good D line prospects this year. It was getting heated. It was like a training camp where you would see guys go right up to one another and, and throwing each other down. And uh, there was a couple of times that I thought it was going to come to swinging, but it didn't in the end, <laughs> like it's a pressure cooker for them, right? you, you have to perform. Uh, everybody's watching you. It's like a five-day job interview. And and you could feel that tension on the field. And as much as they were great to talk to, you could tell they were like hyper-focused on making sure that they, they make an impression. For some of them there, of course, this is a career-defining moment where you could get drafted, you could be on a team, you could have a, a long CFL career. For others, this may be the last time they pad up. Well, to some degree, yeah. I, I mean, the one thing with this was that it is, it's kind of like an all-star game to some degree because now they were installing the offense and defense. And so they did actually have plays, um, you know, not full contact, of course, like it was, it was touch contact, but because everyone knows these guys can tackle, there's no, there's no reason to be like, well, we don't need to be banging heads. I'm stealing a line from Ed Hervey who said that to me. He's like, we don't need them to be banging heads. We just need to know, are they sound? Are they listening? Are they taking the coaching? Um, is that kind of thing happening? So, but I mean, you're truly going against the other best guys in the country. So, so yeah, I, I don't know. There's going to be some guys that'll probably end up in a, you know, could go back into a school route. Uh, obviously, some of the global guys. There was a guy there, um, Hanada, who is a, he was a champion sumo wrestler in his weight class in Japan. He has, I mean, he's done drills, absolutely. Like he, he, he knows that, but he's never played a down of football in a game. <laughs> and, uh, and so we know he's going back to have this season in the X League, and then they'll be looking at likely him in the global draft next year. But he really stood out to me. I thought he did great for the amount of experience that he had. So, yeah, there's some of them, you're right. They might be the last time they're kind of regularly hitting the field, but there is high pressure because of that. But I I think some of them know, like, I'm here to show what I can do and then go back to what I know. What were all the drills? You you touched briefly on the jump. You had one-on-one in terms of offense and defense, of blocking and tackling. What else was going on there? The 12-on-12 was new this year. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start. So day one was the vertical jump and the bench press, uh, followed by the 40 yard dash, the three cone dash uh, or the three cone system. I don't know exactly what they call it. What What is the three cone dash? What for people who don't know? Um, okay, so that's a they have they have to dive out, run out. Uh, I believe it's 10 yards 
touch a cone, run back, touch the other cone, then run back out and then to the side about another 10 yards, round another cone and come all the way back to the original one. And they time that. So it's a matter of jumping forward, jumping back, turning ability and running straight out to come back on a curve. Uh, That was one, the broad jump, which is basically stand and jump straight out as far as you can. Jake Taylor from the University of Alberta almost jumped 11 feet, just broad jump, which I, wow, I don't, like, I can't fathom that. Like me, that's like jumping two of my height. Just the thought of jumping even half that way hurts me. That's that's crazy. We did have that conversation actually when we were, when the bench press started. I was sitting with uh, Hernan from the Elks and, and he said, so how many do you do? How many could you do? I'm like negative one. Like that's, that's crazy. That's, like, I can't believe these guys get up there and push 225 pounds 30 times. Like you're out of your mind. So those were all the events on the first day. Then on the second day, they had practice. So they had offensive practice. They had defensive practice. And then they started in on the one-on-one drill. So there was D-line versus O-line, linebackers versus running backs and fullbacks in a, in a blocking type situation, but then also in a passing situation. Then they had wide receivers versus DBs, which was all like one-on-one passing drills. Um, So that all happened on the Friday. Then on the Saturday, there was another defensive practice and offensive practice. And then in the afternoon, they did um, a few more one-on-one drills. And then they did Skelly. So you've got your seven receivers and your seven DBs, like linebackers and DBs. Way they go, you know. Everybody run a route and see who gets the ball. Um, some really cool catches in there by uh, by a bunch of guys, and also some great interceptions and knockdowns. And because they don't have the lines, it's very wide open. Um, so it's kind of fun to watch that way. And then on the Sunday morning, they had warm ups, and then they actually had twelve on twelve, which is the the skelly and the 12 on 12 and the practices were the new additions to uh, this combine. When they were doing, I'll just use the 12 on 12 because it's simplest for people to follow. Would they rotate defenses as a unit? Would they bring in some guys, leave some guys off for a, a couple of series? How would they work the the actual physical who's on the field? A little bit of both. Um, it looked to me like there was an A and a B um, that they would swap out, but then they did swap out some other guys. Um, like, it's like, okay, let's try you in here and see how this works. So, and, and a mix of global and national players out on the field at the same time. So, but there's obviously some global guys that they were playing better with other guys and some national guys were playing better with other guys. So you could see how they would tweak that. And there was definitely competition to be like, okay, who's going to take this out. Right. So uh, yeah, it was, they did a bit of, bit of both, but overall it looked like it was more kind of unit switching. And then on the one-on-ones, there was lots of Uh, They have this every year, though, but they did have call outs. The coaches would say, "Okay, 94 versus 65 and and it'd be on the outside. And let's say so that's that's D line versus O line. And they'd be they'd have to line up on the outside and then 
try to get to the quarterback. Way you go. And uh, they have that every year where they have these call outs. They have it for receivers and DBs as well. So it's uh, it, it, it was very interesting to hear because you can hear the call outs happening. And uh, and then afterwards they did Skelly. And that was one thing where they thought, OK, maybe next year we need to tweak that where we do the Skelly first and then do the call outs so that we don't have guys that are kind of standing around for 20 minutes getting cold before they uh, before they jump into the the skelly side of things with these call outs are they looking to see receiver number 90 against different dbs is that what they'll say 90 21 90 32 right yeah it was, it was specifically looking at how is this receiver against this db because now we've seen him maybe against three other dbs but this db has stood out to me and this receiver has stood out to me let's see how they do against each other it's kind of a neat part of the uh, of the combine, and I've seen that for a number of years now, where they have general one-on-ones, and then they say, "Okay, I'd like this guy versus this guy." You just see what happens. <laughs> it's kind of a it's kind of a wild wild west type thing where it's like, <laughs> is it the CFL guy stands out in the middle and says, you know, just calls out numbers it's six versus fifty five, and they tell them kind of where they have to be. And then it happens and you're like, okay, like, wow. But there's also guys that are standing on the sidelines that just don't get called out and you almost feel bad for them. You're like, well, you must've shown either you've shown enough or they're like, no, I need to see these other guys more. So it's, it's definitely a a mind game for sure. Was there a particular team that was driving this where it was one team more than the rest having more of the call outs? Absolutely not. And they don't tell you which who made the call out. The CFL guy just says it's this versus this. So he gets he gets the numbers beforehand from the different GMs and head coaches and then he just calls it out. So you have no idea who made that call out. You just know that it's called out. And so you go in and do what you need to do. Okay, the other thing I was going to say was that the the team aspect when they had the Skelly and the 12 on 12, it was a mix of a bunch of different coaches in the different positions. So there wasn't, it wasn't like the offense was coached by the, you know, Saskatchewan offense. It it had a Saskatchewan guy and a Winnipeg guy and a Montreal guy. And do you know what I mean? Like they, they switched it all up. So each team had some representation in there to know how did this person take the coaching, which was also a, a really cool aspect to me, honestly, is I got to see coaches from across the league and how they coach because you're on the field watching them during the practice. The Winnipeg offensive line coach, and I can't remember his name right now and I feel really bad about it. Marty Costello? That's him. That's him. Yep. The way that he coaches, it was mesmerizing to me. On the first day when we were in the field house and he was doing practice with them, I found that I couldn't I wasn't watching the players as much as I was watching how he was coaching them and which is wild, but I, I understand why Winnipeg's O-line is so good. I just loved the, his coaching style. It was really, really cool to watch. Wow. Yeah. And, and he just had a presence. He just, he had a presence, but he just, you could tell he had a connection to the players. You could tell that he cared about them doing the right thing. And you could see him change his style based on how much he knew about that player in that moment. So there would be guys where he would be like, okay, we're going to do this. I want you to do this. He'd watch the play happen. And then the one guy he would go over and kind of put his arm around and say, okay, 
and you, I couldn't hear exactly what he's saying, but it was basically like, yeah, you know, you need to do this and do this and whatever, but you know, you got this and you pat him on the back and away he goes. He goes like, okay, we'll try again. Like, come over here, try again. And he'd get him lined up and then he'd do it and he'd be like, yes. And he'd be running over and patting him and saying, this is great. And this is awesome. And good job. Right. And then the next guy, he'd be like, he would do it. And then as the guy turned around, he'd just look at him like, what are you doing? But you know better. You know you need to do this. You need to do this. And then they'd line, do it again, do it. Come here. And he's like, you can do it. And he'd be hyping him up before he had the play even started. And it's it was different coaching for each guy, but got exactly out of them what he wanted. It was really interesting to watch. Little wonder that that Winnipeg offensive line is as good as it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, that's all I could think of while I was watching it. And also, you know, selfishly, I'm like, oh, I, I wish you could coach my son. <laughs> to be like, you could, you're, you're getting stuff out of these guys by understanding how they learn. Obviously, the delivery is right in this is what I want you to do. And, and if they didn't do it right, he would say, OK, you're on your back foot. You have no power anymore. I want you to bang, bang so that you have all of the power here so that it makes it. And as I'm like, I'm learning uh, as I watch this. It was really cool to watch. Well, you mentioned some of the players will be going back to university and and this is a great coaching clinic for them. Oh, 100 percent, 100 percent. And the guys that I talked to, that's what they said is they not going back. They just said you know, I'm, I'm already learning from the level of coaching that I'm going to hopefully be getting after the draft. And so that's a really good experience for them as well. One of the things that Marshall Ferguson put out on his review of the combine was the 12 on 12 kind of helped get some bonding between the players. Correct. And because the defense, yeah, they were from all over Canada, but they were on a mission at that moment to help each other succeed. Yep, absolutely. And I, I did like, I liked seeing the 12 on 12. I had a very interesting conversation with Pinball Clemens on the Saturday where I said, oh, I, you know, like I'm excited for the 12 on 12. And, and how do you feel about it? His question to me was, I think we're really on to something with the combine and how we're doing this. He said, what is the 12 on 12 going to show us that we don't already know? I had to think about it for a second. And then I said, well, to me, it's going to show your leaders. It's going to show your guys that are going to be like, okay, you need to be over here. You need, you know, the guys who pick up the playbook and know it and, and will succeed in it. I said, it's going to show some level of competition when you're up against another guy um, that, you know, you've been challenging all week and now you've got to find a way to beat him in, in a full 12 on 12 situation. But it also, I said, the last thing I would say is it gets with everybody on the field, can you do the same thing as when you only had two or three people on the field? Are you, are you able to still perform to that level? Pinball said, okay. He goes, you answered it very well, and I need to think about how I'm going to answer you. Because <laughs> he's such a genuinely amazing man. And then he said, okay, but we can tell who the leaders are even when they're doing the bench press. They're the guys that are cheering everybody else on. They're the guys that when somebody doesn't have a good bench press, as they come off, they're going over to them and saying, hey, it's okay, you'll get them on the next one. You'll do, like, he goes, we can already, we can already pull who the leaders are just from that, even in the one-on-ones when they're doing them and they're cheering each other on or not, like, you can tell. He said, so we kind of get it from there. As far as picking up the playbook, that can, that can happen in the, in the skelly. And the and that side of things where it's not, 
and and the one-on-one O-line, D-line, we can we can pick that up. He goes, you're right. There is some other things there. He goes, but I don't know the 12 on 12 is needed or maybe there's a different part that isn't needed and we need to kind of balance it out a little bit so that we're not putting these guys under a whole bunch of hitting or or more contact when they're in their draft year. He goes, that that's that's our only worry. I think there's a there's a soft spot in the middle that's perfect, but I could see there I can see benefits on both sides. We can't argue the success of Michael Clemens, so if he's got something to say about something, it's worth hearing. Let me tell you, if he has anything to say, you want to listen. <laughs> that's, that's the trick. Seven and O with the Argos and Grey Cups speaks volumes. <laughs> Just a side note, just because I think this story needs to get out. Um, so Kayla and I were having a conversation with Pinball, and Kayla had never met Pinball. She was giddy. It was amazing. Kayla is your co-host. My co-host. Yeah, from the Turf District. And so we were we were just chatting with him about this stuff. As we were talking, uh, a kid came over, and I'm going to say he's probably 11-ish, 12 like in that range. And he said, Mr. Pinball, can I have a picture with you? I don't know if you've ever met Pinball, but he's a very soft-spoken man. And he, oh, young man. Absolutely. Yes. Yes, I can have a picture. And thank you for being so polite and asking for that. That was wonderful. Uh, he goes, oh, these are all your friends? Okay, let's let's get a picture all together. And then the mom said, oh, it's his birthday. Pinball said, it's your birthday. It's your birthday. He reaches into his pockets and pulls out like all of the different like stuff from the combine, right? Like all the papers and everything. He tucks them back in. He goes, well, let's take the picture. They take the picture. And then he goes, now, he goes, do you want a drink? Because there was a cafe that was right there. He goes, come with me. I'm going to get you a drink. Do you want a hot dog? How about all your friends? Like, it's your birthday. We need to celebrate this. Absolutely. Spur of the moment. The man is just amazing. And he, he gets it. He gets that that connection will go long beyond that interaction. That young man is thinking, I want to be like Michael Pinball Clemens. And that was, it, it was just like both Kayla and I, as, as he turned to go into the cafe, we're like, bye Pinball. Thank you so much for the conversation. He's like, I'm so sorry. No, don't be sorry. Do what you need to do. That it was just, it was amazing to watch. And uh, I, I can't, tell enough people if you see pinball say hello and he he will generously give you some time he's amazing marshall ferguson did a lot of synopsises for the combine however unlike previous years we didn't see anything live yeah was there any discussion about that was there any rationale given as to why it didn't happen there was a little bit um the first thing was i think i think this is just my own personal opinion is that the CFL thought, well, if we can't do it as a full production, then we shouldn't do it. Instead of maybe looking at it as people just want to see it. They don't need to have a play-by-play for everything. They, they don't need to have it covered. The like They don't need to have somebody talking about it the entire time that you're streaming it. Um not that I don't love Marshall Ferguson doing it. I do. And, and Dwayne Ford talking about it, all those things. But to me, it sounded like, well, we can't really do the production that we want because a, we now have more days than what we used to do. B, we were in Edmonton, which is 
a lot longer, like farther away to bring everybody to do the production side and make that all proper. Um, and so they, they, the cost wise was more than what they wanted to spend. So to some degree, I understand those things, but I think, I think what they was not thought of is, well, what if we just stream it just without commentary, without anything, just here are the guys and you could have one stationary camera and have it streamed to YouTube and people would have been, I mean, people still would have said, well, I wish they would do more, but they're always going to say, I wish you could do more being, I was lucky enough that it was here so that I could go to the combine. If it was in another city, then I would feel the same way where I'd be like, well, I watched it every, well, the last three, four years anyway. I mean, obviously I didn't have one in 2020, but I've been watching it since about 2018 ish so that I could actually see who are those guys that when they announce on draft day, I know who they are and where they're going. Like I really enjoyed that side of it. Plus I really like the one-on-ones in the combine. I just think it's a new thing that no other combine does. And it's wild to watch these guys get after one another. I would have been upset if it wasn't at least streamed somewhere. Now for me, if they had just set up an overhead camera and maybe zoomed in when you had to, when it's a one-on-one and zoom out when it's a skelly or 12 on 12, no commentary. I would have been perfectly fine with that because I could watch that and enjoy it. Uh, I would pick out, I'd have to learn to be like, Oh, what number is that guy again? Okay. Like I'd, I'd have to be doing a bit of my own work to know where they're at. And then you could just do a commentary at the end of the day, like they did a a sum up at the end of the day where Marshall Ferguson would talk about here's who stood out and here's what happened. And they could do that. To me, that'd be fine. There'd be lots of other people that would be like, oh, here we go. They're Bush League again with just showing a stream with no, no commentary, no nothing. And so the CFL made a decision at that point, obviously, to say, well, it's either we're 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 Bush League because we don't have a full production or we're bushly because we're not showing it. <laughs> and the decision that they made was, well, I think we'll just not put the, not put the money in to have it, to have it streamed because of that. So I think the thing is, is that we were a little bit more of, there's so many people who are spoiled now because of things like everything being able to be streamed and able to just be available but if it's not full production, then, well, well, why did you do that? But in my mind, I, I would have been very happy if they would have made that middle choice of, okay, just stream it. I, I, I know even I, at one point, I'm like, well, I mean, I could turn on Instagram Live from this spot and just stream. I mean, and I did for a couple of plays to get a couple of things, but I knew if I did that, I'd probably get in trouble. So I did. <laughs> I wasn't doing that, but, but that's what I'm saying for, for somebody like me who just wants to see the guys perform, that would have been great. You could just to further your point, you could have a a camera up top. You could have a parabolic mic up there to catch wild audio, but you could have maybe one or two other people down below getting footage. And then you could, given the technology we have today offsite, whether it's all the way back to Toronto, have somebody with a 
keyboard punching up whichever video they wanted at the time. It wouldn't have been that difficult. And if you needed rosters, the CFL had punched out on their webpage, everybody participating. It wouldn't have been that hard to have on a separate screen who's who. I, I think it was a missed opportunity, especially when we hear uh, Genius Sports talking about fan engagement and right. this connection. Not everything we see on YouTube is prim and polished. Not everything we see in a podcast is prim and Tell polished. Tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the other thing too is you can't get too wired about your opening day numbers when it comes to YouTube or or even a podcast. You know and I know that our opening day downloads are one thing, our week downloads are quite another. Sure. And over time we get even more. So yep. you've put it out there, archive it, make sure people are aware. There are families that want to have this in their home to look back at because it's just a fantastic resource. Oh yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And one of the guys that I talked to, Jake Taylor from the University of Alberta, and he lives in Beaumont. And he said, well, it's great to be here. Like my mom brought me a Costco care package and <laughs> it, was, it was great for guys like that. Yeah. Their family can be there and watch. There's lots of other guys that are from all across the nation that they can't. I think it might've just been a little bit of I don't want to say getting in your own way, but just, okay, like it's, we have to have this big production or nothing. And I think there was a, I think there was a middle ground. It's almost like they're overthinking it. A little bit feels that way, but yeah. Yeah. The NFL combine is, it's good. They do have a lot more resources to throw at it when the combine and when they're showing the players participate, that's just basically a one camera and wild audio. Right. So yeah, I and and I think, yeah, I, I don't I don't know about the call. I mean, every team right now is still trying to recover from a lost season, so I, I get that. That that's one where maybe you don't get a ton of eyes on it, but you'd probably, and you might not get a ton on the live stream, but you'd have people looking afterwards, which is how that's how I used to watch it on their website because they would put it up. I might not always watch it live, but I'd watch it that evening. Well, especially if you've got a job during the day, but you want to catch up to it at night. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly how I consumed it. Yeah. And and that's what I would have done in this particular situation um, if it wasn't here. Although it was quite funny because I had a couple of people uh, either from other uh, sources or the CFL go, like, you took time off work to be here? I'm like, well, yeah, because I want, I want to watch this. I want to experience it. And they're like, oh, Okay. Like they, so maybe there was that realization that there are, you know, crazy guys like me that want to just watch it all and give me all the football you can. If the, if there's one thing that I can accuse the CFL of, it's this, aw shucks, are we really that worth it attitude? Hmm, that's a, that's fair. That's a fair point. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, no, you are. <laughs> People want to know. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, there was some great, like there's some great stories at the combine too. And, and I saw a lot of the stories go out in print. Um, and I'll give credit. I know, uh, Brent from the Elks was doing a lot of video and he did put some stuff out on socials, um, which was great. You could see some of the, the big highlights, which is, which, and the CFL did put up some, some of the big highlights and things, but Sometimes you want to just see it all and be able to take it in and go, oh, that guy really stood out to me. What I remember in a combine, I can't remember what year it was. Sorry, I think it was 2019. Jordan Beaulieu was in the combine that year. 
And uh, so he was, you know, he was kind of mid-ranked as we went in. But then they did the special teams one-on-ones where they had to try and cover guys down, running down the field. And it, he just, I could not, like, he just blew people out. Like, he was amazing at that. His, his speed, his ability to get into position, his coverage, the way he pushed guys out, all those types of things really, really stood out to me. I, I thought his stock went up. And then the Elks drafted him, and I'm like, okay, I was excited. I knew what this guy had. There's things like that that I think the Combine can have more of an effect on on big fans of their of the league and their teams more than maybe they think as a primer to the draft you've got to show the combine i can i can see that or 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 at least parts of it okay so it's a five-day thing and i understand that's a lot more cost because you have extra days all those types of things so so just throw show the show three days show some of the one-on-ones you don't have to show it all i mean it would be great if you'd show it all in my opinion, with the CFL Combine, the best part of it and the part that I learn the most from is the one-on-ones and the Skelly and the 12-on-12. As far as them running 40 yards, just give me the numbers. I found when the individual skills were happening, I was talking with other people more than I was paying attention to the what they were doing because it's like, well, what's, Oh, that guy's running. Okay. What's his number? Oh, that guy's jumping. Okay. What's his number? It, it, it wasn't like I was absolutely riveted by three cone drill. Like <clears throat> just give me the number and com- let me compare them. Now, when you get to the one-on-ones, Oh baby, <laughs> you want to watch that. They're, they're going at it and you're like, Oh man, that guy really stood out today. He improved his stock. Right. So <clears throat> even if they, just showed that part. It doesn't have to be all of the events. Show some of it, and I think that would go a long way. I'll I'll just drum this one more time, but when you watch baseball on YouTube, there are no commercials. They basically have wild audio and and a camera set up somewhere in the outfield, and they just show the stadium until the pitcher comes back out to throw yeah. for the next inning. You don't need prim and polished. You just need visual. Yeah. Visual and like you said, some some loose audio that you can hear kind of what's going on a little bit on the field. Not everything, but a little bit. Yeah. Thank you so much. Are you going to be up for another one, another combine? Yeah. Sign me up now. Yeah, I'm I'm in. E- even just as they're practicing and things, the 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 networking time and the time to talk to guys who are much smarter than me was uh, really invaluable as we uh, as we get forward and. And, and there were some guys, like I said, that, that really stood out that I th- I'm, I'm excited to see what they're going to do when they get their draft call. Good stuff. Thank you, Andrew Hoskins, the Turf District. Where can people find and follow you? Absolutely. You can. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, you can find us everywhere at the Turf District. Um, and I, uh, I really recommend uh, catching up on the YouTube channel. I did get uh, some conversations with five of the different guys that were at the draft or at, sorry, at the combine. And, uh, I did also was able to catch up with, uh, uh, Elks AGM G Roy Simon and, uh, wide receiver Gavin Cobb and, and all really fun conversations. So, um, have a peek on our YouTube channel for that. And on April the 18th, we will be back, uh, with a live podcast with a uh, special guest. Awesome. Thanks again. No problem. Thanks, man. 
for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean and can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Third Down Gamble. Join us again, the Third Down Gamble podcast, audio worth watching. Third Down Gamble uses the expert resources provided by Canadian Football League player and game statistics for analytics, game notes, and statistics, and 3downnation.com for news, insight, and in-depth analysis. Please visit cfl.ca and 3downnation.com for the most up-to-date information on the Canadian Football League.